corrupted everything down south. These are good times we're living in. We're untouchable. And if you get in their way, they don't mind shedding a little blood. To the point where my brother and some others dragged me through a field with their truck. What would they do that for? I'm afraid that part is a little more complicated. Well, let's uncomplicate it by talking about cutting that cord that's dragging you. Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood, but most importantly, Bryce Castillo is going to tell us uh, what we just saw. Yeah, that was a trailer for Hulu's new show, Reprisal. It is, they're calling it a hyper-noir story about a relentless femme fatale who looks for revenge after being attacked and left for dead by her brother and his gang. All 10 episodes are coming to Hulu on December 6th. Uh, it seems like a lot of buzz. I saw, I've seen a lot of commercials for it. Right on. Mm-hmm. All right. Joining us today, Fraser Kane from Universe Today is back on Cord Killers, and it's yeah. been too long, my friend. How's it going? Good, good. But you've been in my hearts this entire journey. Aww, you yeah. too. You too. Yeah, I've been I've been listening to everything you're doing, so I'm completely up to speed. Uh, we are we are actually reserving a place in our hearts, uh, all of us, for your tips on mm-hmm. figuring out this mess of, of a glut of amazing yep. television and how to deal with it. We're going to be talking yep. to Fraser about that in a little bit. But first, are discs dead? We'll find out in our primary target. Variety Magazine. Magazine. I say magazine. It's cute. It's a website. Uh, it's also a magazine and a newspaper. Variety has a story on the home entertainment business, a.k.a. selling you discs may not be as bad as you might have guessed. U.S. spending on 4K ultra-high-def discs rose 11% during the first nine months. Overall disc sales fell 18.5%, so it's only that top level of the resolution that sold, and that's kind of a key to understanding this, I think. Digital sales are growing, though. Digital sales grew 6.7% in the first three quarters of the year, not making up the downfall of the non-4K discs, though. Uh, Netflix has just 2.28 million subscribers now to its disc service compared to the 60.62 million it has for streaming. And some of the reasons the people are still wanting discs, whether it's by subscription or by purchase, no buffering, no streaming issues, you get the highest resolution. Uh, There's a a new Wizard of Oz out on Ultra HD with 4K resolution. They call it the ultimate makeover. So there's these cool restorations being done. You get more extras. get a lot of extras with your digital copy, but there's expanded extras on the discs a lot of times. And the, the whole collector culture of people just wanting to have the thing and have it on their shelf. This is affecting a lot of parts of the industry. Uh, The indie films used to budget out based on disc sales. That's becoming a problem. Made for TV movies, often budgeted in disc sales as as part of the back-end profits. That's becoming a problem for them. In fact, Lifetime and Hallmark are kind of your only big buyers of made-for-TV movies anymore. Uh, Streaming is, is picking up some of this, offering bigger budgets, but you have to give up ownership and control if you're a producer. Of course, if there's not a disc market out there, maybe that's not such a big deal, Uh, especially when you don't have to worry about advertiser blowback if you're making something for Netflix. Picking up the slack uh, for the declining disc sales are services that are free uh, with ads, Pluto, Zumo, Tubi, Pongolo. Uh, There's also the fact that uh, you will not be able to to watch these without ads, but they're trying to bombard you with ads less as they, they become the place for these sorts of made-for-TV movies. 
Uh, problem with subscription, this is an interesting side note, revenue does not scale with views if you have a subscription, right? You, you get my $10 a month and that's it. If I watch more, you don't make more money. Whereas with advertising-based stuff like Pluto, the more you watch, the more money they make because the more oh, that's, ads they That's can... really interesting. That's a bit like the uh, the, the gym membership uh, conundrum where it, or, 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 or the bank conundrum where you're able to lend 10 times the money that you actually have and you're able to book memberships for 10 times the number of members uh, for compared to the equipment that you have because you know that that you hope that most people will keep the subscription but not do the thing. Uh, th that is kind of a weird perverse incentive on that. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, that was that was pretty much the end there with with that revenue thing. So you know, to sum up, uh, disc sales not dead, especially at the high end resolution, but declining, and that's impacting uh, the made for TV movies, which is also and indie films, uh, but also kind of helping those those lower end streaming services that don't charge a subscription fee. Uh, I'm curious, Fraser, if you are still a disc user or not. No, no. Um, and we'll be, you and say we'll be it as about, if it's a, as if it perhaps were uh, you thought it a bit ridiculous to use discs. Yeah, yeah. Don't be ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I have. I don't think I have. I know. You know what? I do have a dusty Xbox, uh, three sixty, that could probably play a DVD, maybe, <laughs> but not a Blu-ray. I have no way to play a Blu-ray in this house. I have an HD DVD attachment that works with the 360 I could send you. <laughs> would that let me play Blu-rays? No, it would let you play HD DVDs that no longer are made, though. I have oh, a couple. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. No. Again, <laughs> Dusty. Wait, my computer. My computer has a DVD player in it. Probably so could play a DVD. If yeah. you have a newer computer, you could play Blu-ray there. And actually, so, I, I mean, think I have a friend with a PlayStation 4, so I could probably borrow it to play a Blu-ray. So we welcome all the emails from you Blu-ray fans. Uh, we know you're out there. There's, uh, you know, 11% more of you buying discs than there were last quarter or, or the, in the first nine months of this year than last year. But it is a specialty market now. It's not a mass market. That's what these numbers tell me. I hope that that longtime listeners and watchers will uh, agree that I've been fairly pers uh, consistent in this prediction that uh, that that discs are never going to go away in the same way that vinyl never went away. Instead, it will become increasingly niche. And what we're seeing is exactly what you would see in 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 vinyl, uh, you know, long play records, where it increasingly is about a level of fidelity that you can't theoretically if you are an audiophile you can't quite match with with digital uh, uh, cds or what have you but but um they make it much more experiential i i, I think this is the right play uh, i think that the days of dvds being an impulse purchase as you check out from best buy or whatever best buy remember them uh and uh i think those days are over where uh, you just get an automatic $20, but I think that they should drive the price up and up and up and just offer increasingly rare behind-the-scenes footage, increasingly rare special, special maybe a bit of physical Remasterings, memorabilia. you know, high-fidelity, uh, high-resolution, that kind of thing. Yeah, it makes sense to me to yep. just make the concentrate on the quality of the product because the, the lucky thing for the disc makers is they didn't have that crash-out like LPs had. 
People thought vinyl was dead, and it came back as people started to realize. Discs have never had that crash out. They're, they're coming in for a nice soft landing into the world of being a specialty market, which is good for the manufacturers, I suppose. Well, and, and that do you just I think keep going? The, well, I, I think so far we've spoken to the demand for discs never going away, and instead them leaning in on and figuring out, okay, what can we offer? We can offer unprecedented fidelity. We can also offer a, a, a never ever having to worry about streaming or location rights or whether or not your internet is on or off or whether it's a good or bad internet connection. Uh, uh, but there is that other side in the gift giving side. And, and part of this is on my mind because, you know, we just went through Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and uh, we had to sort of kind of remove anything digital. And, and even though nobody's going to uh, you download the DVD or nobody's going to put the DVD into a player, but people want to unwrap a DVD that has a sticker on the back says... <laughs> go here to download it. And so you have it. Like people want to give things. Yeah. They, they, they want to have things. You don't go to a concert and buy a, a code that gets emailed to you. You want the CD, <laughs> even though you don't even, you're never going to play the CD, but you will use the code on the back to download the music or whatever. The same thing's happening with video games too, though. I mean, it's so funny that my son, again, I mentioned our, our Xbox 360 collecting dust. They've got a switch. It's collecting dust because they played the one game. And yet the things that are getting played like crazy is anything on on battle, anything from Blizzard, as well as the Steam library with 1300 games on it that we share within the family. So uh, I think just this idea of physical objects, it's just it's now just perceived as as ridiculous. And I, I disagree. And I think I think it, 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 when yeah. it comes to the world of gift giving, nobody is gifting you you want to unwrap a thing. You want to unwrap something. Like even the year that I gave my daughter Overwatch, which I knew was a digital download, I went and found a box and printed off the words "You have Overwatch," and just so so there would be a thing to, to unwrap. And so right. if if yes, you're getting. And to be honest, I would have preferred all things being equal to pay the same price and have her be able to open up a box and then just go download it because we had a license for it. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. And I, I think there's that collector mentality behind it too, right? There's the gift-giving side, but there's also the people who just want to have things as well, whether they're gifts or not. They want to have a collection. And some of them literally do want to have that higher resolution, that ability to play offline and all of that, not worry about whether your streaming service is going to lose uh, a, a thing or not, not worry about whether the digital library is going to be taken away from you. Uh, I think those fears are overblown, but I think a lot of times they're used in service of justifying, but I want the thing. I want to but have that a collector's, of stuff. Yeah. yeah, but that collector's mindset is like we've been burned if you collected any VCR tapes and then you collected DVDs and now you're collecting Blu-rays and trying to bring along legacy equipment to try and make these things work, you have been burned. And so it's each, each one of these things has a length of time, depending on how long the tapes will survive or how long the, the player will survive. And I think a lot of people, for me, I would never buy any kind of physical media anymore apart from a book. Can, can I suggest possibly that this is less the universal experience of humans uh, or, or Americans 
or, or North Americans, uh, but more the experience of any individual human over the age of 30, because I think collecting is alive and well among anybody in the target demographic of 18 to 35. Now, why do you say that? Well, I, I think that individually you have to start a collection, love a collection, and then have to move <laughs> and realize that you wish you hadn't collected all these things. Well, that, yes. that's why it goes away, right? Yeah, exactly. Get, like why, why, uh, you know, I, I think that people would guess, well, the young kids don't collect things cause they're all digital. They just want stuff on their phones. Why, why are you saying collecting mentality is alive amongst young people? Oh, it totally is. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. As well. Yeah, I think because it physically is. I mean, certainly. I mean, look, look at uh, what is it? Funko Pops is that what is that what they're called? Those yeah. those bug eyed sure. uh, characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, those don't even play 4K movies, <laughs> and yet people <laughs> and they take up a lot more space, and people go nuts collecting that crap. Yeah, stuff. A bunch wonderful of my house stuff. Right wonderful stuff. They get it right the first time. Yeah, I, I. That's an interesting way of looking at it. I think. I think we'll see these sorts of things split. Uh, there will continue to be, and it will be a very small s percentage, but there will continue to be people who just want to have the highest quality thing you can get, and that will continue to be physical for a long time. The highest quality version, just just by the nature of of solid state storage, if nothing else, and and bandwidth, and and the the sureness of streaming the bits off of a disk into your processor versus over the internet into your processor, I, I think will keep people buying Blu-rays. There, those will be the same people who are also audiophiles who look at my stereo and cringe and say, how you, can you possibly listen to music on that? There will be video versions of that where people are like, of course I get Blu-ray cause I want the highest quality video. And then the masses won't care as much. I also think there will be the collector market. Like you're talking with Funko pops. And I think that's where it starts to get really interesting that maybe what will happen is you can buy someone a Disney plus subscription and the code comes on a Funko Pop of their favorite character, right? Like you get the thing that adds to the collection and also adds whatever digital gift you want to give as well. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, let's say, yes, Disney Plus has everything, but much like if you have the Funko Pop or, you know, all you do is type in the code once and then tied to your account is whenever you click on this particular movie, you also get the 30 minute feature at the behind the scenes, the rare footage, the, the, you know, directors. Oh the, yeah. Yeah. Any kind of stuff. achievement or badge or something like that. Totally. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go, folks. I know we're going to hear from the people who still watch discs, but we want to also hear from the people who don't watch discs, cordkillers at gmail.com. Uh, and all of you are welcome disc or not disc to support the show and keep us going loud, live, and independent at patreon.com slash cordkillers. Yeah, dude. Over 1,000 of you beautiful, beautiful bosses keeping us... Uh, man, I can't believe we've made it this far. 1,268 patrons. If you have enjoyed this show, if you have derived value, if you have enjoyed our beautiful, strange, largely uh, asymmetrical one-way friendship up until this point, and you would like to balance those scales and keep us going, then hit us up at patreon.com slash cordkillers. It'll take you a couple clicks. It will mean the world to us. Yeah, Please also, you and it. I both know you will never, ever notice the $4 a month that it costs you. Yeah. If you, if you do, then don't back us. Like, you need that $4. But yes. otherwise, yeah. Also, also cut up your credit card if, if that's the position yeah, you're seriously. in. <laughs> All right, let's talk about how to watch. Uh, now, first of all, uh, we want to talk, Fraser, about 
his methodology for figuring out this glut of television. You have created a spreadsheet. Now, this spreadsheet itself is only going to work for you, but it, it yes. could be a model for others yes. to figure out, like, how do I decide what to pay for? Yeah, I have figured out exactly what uh, Fraser should pay for. And so if you're people, I know I hear this question coming up again and again and again, what episodes should, you know, which various streaming services should people pay for? I've done the math uh, and now I know. Holy cow. And, and by the way, for, for, for audio listeners, we're looking right now at a Google document that has uh, on the far left corner a co a column, just a list of all the different services, links to all of yep. them, the price yep. for the service, the number of movies that they currently no, offer. The number of movies that I want to watch. Oh, whoa. How did you? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's just the outstanding movies for me to watch on that service and the outstanding TV shows for me to watch on that service. So and how not did you come up with that number? Because I can't imagine you sat and looked at every single movie on Hoopla, for instance. I did. Oh, my God. You, you, you did. Okay. I did. I take it back. Yeah. yeah. So you, you looked Fraser at everything Kane. on Criterion Channel and counted it out. Yes. Wow. Well, yeah, Fraser Kane is I let now machines do it for me. Uh, Fraser, yeah. Fraser Kane is now doing endurance stunts. He's the David Blaine of cord <laughs> yeah. cutting right now. Because I wouldn't. Yeah. I would have just like done a sample and been like, okay, it looks like about no. ten percent of the stuff no. I'm seeing is mine, and, and gone from there. But you, you did the legwork. I'm impressed. Yeah. So you know, it's a bit of a rabbit hole. So what? So first, I've, I've got to make major props to my partner in this. Uh, JustWatch.com. Mm. Now they don't know they're my partner in this. You know, <laughs> I have a one-sided relationship with JustWatch, sure, sure. um, uh, but and I click on the Canadian version of that. You got to click on the U.S. version. But we're finally at a point point where I've got some level of content parity. And so here's what I do: I take the service that I want. I go to say JustWatch. I go to say Netflix. I go to the popular section. I then uh, click on the filter. I look for stuff that has both 75% Rotten Tomatoes and above seven on Internet Movie Database. So it is okay. double good. All right. So, so you're filtering it out stuff. a little. Yeah. 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 Only good stuff. And then I put on the wish list anything that I haven't seen. And so right now, what was the number that was up there at the top? 433. Yeah. Yeah. So my guess is it's only going to take you maybe an hour to go through that and just click on the things that you you know you haven't seen. So you don't have to go into every service. You're just using Just Watch to figure out, okay, here's the stuff I haven't seen. That's right. And then it does the calculation. Yeah. So you. now if you go to your nice. to your watch list and then you can click on on Netflix, it'll show you how many items you have on your watch list for Netflix. Two and then titles, how many TV shows you Titanic have. and Incredibles 2. Okay, this is a live demo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and so that was the process of doing that. I think it's, I think it's important for you to just get a sense of what's, of just what's out there and to build this list. And then, you know, as new stuff are coming onto these different services, you can just get a sense of, of what's going on. And I, I have been, I've been using this just for Netflix and Amazon for the last couple of months, just to, because, you know, like my wife is a total media file and she is like my perfect partner in watching things because she'll watch anything. Like it, all that she cares about is that it's good. So that's her only criteria is that we don't watch any garbage. So, you know, you want to watch a, a weird uh, German documentary? No problem. You want to watch a, something that won a film festival at Cannes? Done. Uh, so as long as it's good, we'll watch it. And so we've watched tons and tons and tons of stuff, like hundreds and hundreds of movies, uh, which people and, – and you find it this way. 
right? Sort do, your list. Do you by find Rotten Tomato score, and then you watch the hundred percent stuff. So, right? so uh, do you find that you lean more on the IMDb meta rating or the Rotten Tomatoes rating? Because they're measuring two different things. Obviously, Rotten Tomatoes yeah. just measures whether or not something is generally liked more than disliked, whereas uh, uh, that means a lot of highly polarizing content that might be extraordinary yeah, so doesn't the make right the there, cut. You can sort. Yeah, so you so that's why I do both of them. And in fact, there's a lot of stuff that slips through the cracks. So stuff that, for example... Um, has no Rotten Tomato score, but has a really good internet movie database score. So if you cut that back, you're going to get, it was 433, now it's 2000. Yeah. So there's a ton of stuff that you need, to, and you just got to decide. Like like for me, once I've run out of stuff that is 75% Rotten Tomatoes and above seven on internet movie database, then I'll move on to stuff that maybe got a lower Rotten Tomatoes or or just doesn't have enough people watching it. Like, Like until then, Everything we've been watching has been reliably fantastic. Now, the right. other thing that that Fraser did here, uh, if you haven't clicked through to the show notes to see the spreadsheet, or if you're if you're not watching live, uh, is taking that number of movies and TV shows and then dividing it by the price of the service. Right. So, for instance, Criterion Channel has a thousand three hundred forty-eight movies Fraser wants to watch. It's yep. ten ninety-nine a month, which sounds expensive. But that's only eight tenths of a cent that's per right. movie, uh, compared to Apple TV Plus, which has two movies and five TV shows, which is, as a percentage of Apple TV Plus content, a high percentage of the content because it doesn't have yeah. that much out. But it's eighty five point six cents that's per right. item because it doesn't yeah. have that many. Wait, that's right. So, and so the so, total, if, if if I paid for everything, I pay at one thirty six, and that's Canadian. So. You know, I'm sure that's only worth $5. Which would still be under a normal cable bill, hilariously. Yes. But I, yeah, if you yeah. don't want to spend 136 you don't have to because now you have yep. a guide. All right, look, I'm yeah. not here to say who's right and who's wrong. Uh, I, I definitely think it's a wonderful surprise that the Criterion Channel service ended up being the most affordable per movie. But my eye can't help but notice that you list under Disney Plus all of five movies that you want yep. to watch and five yep. TV shows. Yeah. Making it the worst value for you. Yes. That, yes. that is amazing because universally know. we've been lauding the fact that Disney Plus is, is uh, you know, penny for penny, the best yeah. value out there. And they're coming out very aggressive on their pricing. If, but I'm guessing if, that, that you've just already I, seen all the things that you want to yeah, see. Yeah, I've seen it all, right? Like I've yeah. seen the Star Wars. I've seen the Marvel stuff. I've seen the Pixar stuff. I've seen the Disney movies. I've seen it all. So um, I've watched the television shows. And so for me, like if my kids were 10 years younger, then they would be, you know, they would be grinding Disney plus into a digital paste, but, but they don't, right. They're watching YouTube. They're playing overwatch. They're working at their jobs. So <laughs> it's just, you know, I've, I've, I've aged out. And so I think that, and, and that's why I think this process for me, right. It relies on me, um, watching, uh, being, wanting to watch stuff that is in theory good. And, and we're willing to try kind of anything. If it's got good reviews, we'll watch it. And then we decide whether or not we liked it or not. And then, and most of the time it's great. Right. Um, what do we watch? We watched a movie last night called LFO about this, uh, um, guy in Denmark who builds a sound device that allows him to control people's minds all around him and with hilarious and terrifying results. Super good movie. Um, never would have found it uh, any mm -hmm. other way. 
than than following this this method. So now, the the one thing I want to ask is, do you do you how how much of a Bible do you make this? Because I can look at this and say, okay, obviously Criterion Channel eight tenths of a cent per month that's a hell of a value. You're also not going to watch all thousand three hundred forty eight movies no. in a month. No. So you have to amortize that if you really wanted to get mathematical and right. be like, so well, how many movies a month could this. I do? Like, do you want to do you want to dive into it that far, or do you just kind of eyeball this yeah. as a way to say, okay, I mean, I know I might pay for Disney Plus because I just want to watch The Mandalorian, even though it's near the it's the yep. bottom of the list. Yeah. Uh, but but at least now I know the back catalog, the other parts of the decision. So there's two, there's, I think there's two things that are working here. One is this feeling of service creep that I'm adding Apple Plus, that I'm adding Disney Plus. You know, mm -hmm. here in Canada, I just shelled out 25 bucks a month for Crave TV with the uh, Plus, with the HBO shows available. So I can watch Silicon Valley and... Mm -hmm you know, uh, last week tonight and things like that. So I could just feel myself adding service after service after service. And it was getting to the point where I was up to, you know, I'm probably up around 60 bucks a month Canadian. Okay. But Hulu hasn't been made available yet. And there's, we don't know about Peacock and so on. So, um, I could see myself. And so then part of my brain just kind of went, well, does it make sense for me to just sign up to one service, dump the others, watch that service until I'm feeling bored of, of that, you know, is 19... the answer. That is a hundred percent the right way to yeah. do it because I feel 1960s. like Tom and I, Tom and I have this entire run of our show sort of felt like we were playing with found money. Once you cut that cable cord, it almost feels like you're just spending house money at the casino where it's yeah. like, man, I can keep yep. on buying everything. And I got a long way till I hit that same number. But meanwhile, if you think in series instead of in parallel, if you don't mind waiting and if you just want to maximize, that is absolutely the way. There's no reason anybody has to spend more than tw 20 bucks a month and they could watch all the content in one year. You could watch everything you ever wanted to watch just yep. by switching service to service to service. And 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 with the stuff that comes out week by week, like The Mandalorian, like, yeah, if you want to see Baby Yoda, you got to be there and see it with everybody else. And again, I have no I can make no critical judgment of The Mandalorian because Baby Yoda. Um, but but the right way to do it is once a year, sign up for Disney Plus, watch it all and then shut it back down again. Like, and everyone is going to come to this point, I think, where we're going to have to pick and choose which ones are, we're going to want us to to get. And and I'm kind of there now having this list. I know that I have 789 movies that are high quality that I can watch on Amazon Prime as well as 104 shows. So I should cancel everything. I should spend a month really hitting Amazon Prime hard and then – uh, the next month, cancel my Amazon Prime and go to Netflix and watch Netflix for a month. And then the, the month after that, go to Criterion and then and so on. And I, I, I think you've cracked the code. Well, and, yeah. and I, I think what's great about this is even if you make exceptions and say, gosh, but I really want Stranger Things and Netflix isn't up right now. This allows you to do it with a lot more clarity to say, yeah. well, I'm really I'm only adding a $9 service to an $8 service. And now I'm 17 versus saying, gosh, I feel I'm spending $60 a month. I need to cut something like this. Yep. This can really help you even make those exceptions like the Mandalorian or you because you don't them. feel like you're swamped by paying yeah. for things you're not watching. Yeah. So like Rick and Morty, there's no way for me to get Rick and Morty in Canada uh, without having cable TV 
so I just buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and, and again, so, so it's, yeah, I have to pay 10 bucks for one show that I really want or 20 bucks and then I get it. And that, and that, and, and I'm saving myself 60 bucks on all these other ones. So, so I, it, going through this process really made me think about just how this whole system is going to play out because they are, there's a lot of great back catalog that's available. And I think that people are going to get kind of sick. Like, are you willing to pay $10, $20 a month for really one show, two shows, or are you willing to be patient and wait a year and then watch them all in a binge session as well as a bunch of other good stuff on that channel and then cut the cord. And so I know last week you guys were talking about, about should they release everything in one go or should they drop them week after week after week? And it sounds like they absolutely should be dropping them week after week. If Disney dropped the Mandalorian in one month, so I could just binge it all, I would absolutely cut Disney plus at the end of this month. Totally. But the only reason I'm not going to cut Disney plus is because it's going to take me into January to wrap up watching this round of the Mandalorian and okay, fine, Disney, you got me. I'll stick around. And then the moment that show is over, (laughs) hopefully they'll get you something else compelling. This yeah. is good stuff. We'll have a, a link to the uh, Google Doc in, in our show notes, courtkillers.com, of course. Uh, and and while that version will only work for Fraser, yeah. uh, now you know the secret sauce. You go to Just Watch, uh, you filter it out, you create a watch list of things that you haven't seen that you want to see, or or maybe even include some things that you're like, you know what, I've seen it, but I'll watch it over and over again. Uh, and then you can start doing these same calculations yourself. Yeah. I think this is a fantastic tool, yeah. Fraser. Thank you for sharing I, this. I cannot stress highly enough how much amazing content there is beneath the scenes, you know, beneath the surface on Netflix, Amazon, Criterion, I'm sure on Hulu. There's really good stuff. You just have to be willing to to try something that you've never heard of. All right, before we uh, move on from how to watch, I, I want to touch on uh, the latest thing Martin Scorsese said uh, and get your opinion on it. Martin Scorsese told Popcorn with Peter Travers, uh, which is a YouTube show, I would suggest if you ever want to see one of my pictures or most films, please, please don't look at it on a phone. Please, an iPad, a big iPad, maybe. I think I made it to cover all the bases in terms of how you could watch this picture, he said, referring to the Irishman. Ideally, I'd like you to go to a theater, look at it on a big screen from beginning to end. And I know it's long. You got to get up. You got to go to the bathroom, that sort of thing. I get it. But also at home, I think if you can make a night of it or an afternoon thereof and know that you're not going to answer the phone or you're not going to get up too much, it might work. I think so Martin I, Scorsese says maybe an iPad, prefer the theater, but please not a phone. Which screen do you guys watch your stuff on? Well, you know what I loved about this take is that it was the anti Steven Spielberg. It wasn't preachy. It wasn't him proclaiming how it ought to be. It wasn't him lamenting the death of this or that. He was just saying like, man, I really would love it if you would just treat it that way. And I think he's a hundred percent right. But I also perceive that that swing goes in two directions. If you're something like the Mandalorian, uh, uh, no spoilers here, but there's there's uh, in the second episode, there's a moment where you get a hint as to where things are headed because in in the gleam reflection of his helmet, you can see a thing. That is a moment that rewards your full attention on a very large high fidelity screen. It's something that you're not going to see if it's on a phone. You're certainly not going to see it if you're distracted. So by putting those master craftsmanship moments in there, it rewards giving something your full attention. Uh, and I think that that's what Martin Scorsese does certainly with his movies. However, there are other movies 
that punish you for giving it your full attention. I remember, this is a weird, deep-cut example, but that uh, that Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity, where he makes clones of themselves, and then the clones make clones <laughs> of themselves. I paid money for that in the theater and hated it because I was locked in a box, giving it my full attention, and there was not enough there to merit the $8 I paid for the matinee at the time, right? But... Later on, I saw it on HBO while I was kind of cleaning up or whatever, and I felt totally different about it. I was like, ah, that's cute. It's a cute little movie. It's fine. I'm glad I saw that. And, uh, and, and so I feel like that pressure goes both ways. I think that at a certain level of fidelity, you're better off watching it casually while distracted on your phone compared to giving it your full attention and making a night out of it. I, I, am I going to go to jail if I watch it on a phone? <laughs> no, no, he's, no, just, he's, just, he's imploring you, Fraser. He's, he's saying, please, please don't right. do that. Please don't do it. Well, wouldn't like the special effects look a little less bad on a phone? Like you wouldn't notice how it, it depends. Sort of it's a matter of fidelity. I can't imagine that Mad Max Fury Road looks better on an iPhone than on a big screen. I'm specifically talking about the Irishman. <clears throat> uh, well, oh, he really? was he was talking about all his movies. Uh, yeah. Does so, the Irishman have some bad effects in there that would look better on it's a phone? Got some, it's, they, Fraser they is not a fan of the people. de-aging process of yeah. the actors, it sounds yeah. like. Got it. I that was a fan. It was... didn't, bother me. It didn't bother me at all, by the way. I saw it on the, in he the movie. You got used to it. I, I didn't, it didn't ever strike me. Yeah. Um, I use a, we have a 55-inch television that we watch almost everything on with a Chromecast Ultra to stream it to that. And if it can do 4K then we do that. And if it can't, then we don't. That's what we watch almost everything, all of our media on. Um, and then I'll watch stuff on my computer, my laptop, which is smaller, like while I'm riding the bike or whatever. So I, you know, what's funny is I, I actually had a, uh, an experience with the Mandalorian where I was watching it on an airplane on my phone, uh, and got like partway through. And then when we got to where we were going, my wife said, well, I, I want to watch it now too. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, let's, let's watch it together. We watched it on a laptop and I enjoyed it more. I mean, I enjoyed it on my phone, but I was catching things. I'm like, Oh yeah, I wouldn't have seen that. I wonder too, with the Irishman, if those digital effects actually look worse on digital screens than they do mm. on film where they just kind of, where the film grain sort of is forgiving and, and, and blends things in a little bit. I, I will say that uh, film is a very generous, forgiving medium, so yeah, much yeah. so that it's been wild to watch, uh, for example, video games like the Mass Effect series would intentionally put film grain over stuff, which gave it this sort of larger-than-life believability, mm. even though they're, they're lower poly models than, than you know human beings obviously are. Uh, uh, because uh, one of the things you don't notice when you see something on film is there is some kind of persistent amount of jitter or shaking up and down, along with this, this sort of constant noise that you're looking through, that all of which, and the low frame rate, all of that combines to trick your brain into making everything a little bit more epic than it actually is. Yeah. All right, folks, uh, let's talk about what to watch now in Under Surveillance. I like this it's all about location, location, location. Under Surveillance. Last Thursday, Comcast released a four-minute short film showing E.T. returning to Earth and visiting Elliot's family. Henry Thomas returned to play an adult Elliot, 
uh, and he had two kids that looked very much like young Elliot and Gertie. Uh, Sci-Fi played this uh, alongside showing the movie E.T. Oh, wow. NBC showed a two-minute edit of it during football on Thursday, and a 30-second cut-down will air as a commercial for Comcast Xfinity products, which are featured in the short film. Uh, you can see it all on the Xfinity YouTube channel as well. They tweeted it. It's all kind of all over the place, really. There's a temptation to be all like, ooh, gross, foreign minutes, making a movie or whatever. If you're old enough to remember E.T. being the phenomenon it was, that dude was a sellout from the beginning. Yeah. If there was a check for 20 cents, then E.T. was there to collect it. So yeah. I can't even really be mad about it. I, I, this didn't do much for me. I don't, I don't have a particular... Yeah. I, I don't think Three that E.T. the movie has aged very well. I tried to watch it again as an adult, and it felt fairly elementary to me. I was just having this conversation with my son. We were in the car like literally an hour ago talking about movies that blew my mind and and talking about Tron and E.T. and War Games. He's like, E.T., seriously? Like, have you watched that movie recently? Yeah, it does not hold up. Uh, That's so e funny. E I, I totally disagree with both of you on E.T. I rewatched it recently for the Current Geek Film Fest, and I was surprised how well it held up for me. I was expecting it to just be trash now. Uh, and I, I found it to be enjoyable and and more modern than I expected. I mean, totally has to do with what kind of expectations you go into it with, I guess. But uh, I was I was actually surprised by how much I enjoyed rewatching it. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this I watched because someone tweeted a link to it. And so I didn't have any, I didn't know anything about it, uh, until I saw the four minutes and I was delightfully surprised when I saw Henry Thomas and I saw ET and I was like, Oh, I get what they're doing. And then of course, mildly disappointed when they showed him an Xfinity tablet. And I realized, Oh, that's cause Comcast owns the universal movie. Like, okay. It, it, it I sounds like it sort of hit the uncanny Valley of almost being a story you cared about. And then you felt like a sucker because you you opened up your heart to an ad. Yeah. Oh. And it will be right here. Yeah. <laughs> Glowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Doctor Who returns on January 1st at 8 p.m. with the first of a two-part special called Spyfall. Get it? Like Skyfall, but Spyfall. They're actually wearing tuxes in the trailer for this. Uh, the trailer is out. Uh, and Fathom Events is going to simulcast the second episode of Doctor Who, because it's a two-parter, in U.S. theaters on January 5th, uh, which would be kind of the following Saturday, I think. Do you, do you think uh, you you in general liked the the first season with the new Doctor, right? Uh, do, oh yeah. Do, do you yeah, anticipate uh, many times we see a show do fine its first season of a of a new kind of game they're playing, but then really hit their stride on the second season? Do you anticipate much of a much of an uptick this season? Yeah, I do. Uh, I feel like Chris Chibnall, who's the new showrunner of Doctor Who, was just sort of finding his feet and and told some really good stories, but really hadn't kind of clicked on what the whole direction of the entire run was going to be quite yet. Uh, and I'm hoping that he has done that uh, for this this coming season. Fraser, are you a Doctor Who fan? I am a Doctor Who fan, uh, but I have not. I'm not caught up on the last mm -hmm. two seasons three seasons. So I haven't been watching Dr. Who for a while just because I've got too many other things to watch. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
It'll it'll come up eventually on your just watch rotation. Yeah, exactly. You'll be able to catch up. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be getting it in like the year twenty one hundred. I think. <laughs> UK crime drama White House Farm will show on HBO Max here in the United States. Uh, the show tells the story of a real life murder, so it's true crime kind of thing uh, that happened where three generations of one family were all killed at an isolated English farmhouse in 1985. Canal Plus will air it in France, DirecTV in Latin America, Sky in New Zealand. Uh, I don't know how you're going to get it. Maybe on Crave. I don't know in uh, Canada. I uh, yeah, we I, should get that stuff on Crave. We we've barely touched on this topic before, but man, oh man, do I love the uh, internationalization. Uh, globalize is, I guess, a, a yes. bad word among some quarters. But but when I was growing up, anything that wasn't American with American accents was on after 10 o'clock on PBS, and it was weird, yeah, and right. you were weird for watching it, up to and including Doctor Who. But uh, I absolutely lo love how uh, people are essentially traveling all over the world and absorbing other cultures, regardless of where they geographically happen to have been born at all times. And that's a big part of what I'm relying on with my new methodology is is I am being completely um, like open to any country, subtitles, you name it, right? We watched this great uh, Thai movie about um, it's like a um, like a crime. Uh, no, like a oh, man, you know, where they're trying to steal a thing. A heist movie. Heist, heist movie. It's a, it's a Thai heist movie about a heist movie. A Thai, a Thai heist movie about these teenagers trying to fake their test scores on a on a test to be able to get into American universities. It was brilliant. I, I love that um, we're so yeah. playing taboo on this show. That was amazing. <laughs> so, so I uh, I am such a huge fan of dipping into the media of every country that I can get my hands on. In fact, it makes me sad that I don't speak or understand, you know, like Chinese or Korean. There's like, like half the population on earth is creating media that we just don't even find out about. Yeah, but, but one you of the know, coolest you things know, Vicky does with their app is you can choose the language learning mode when you watch shows on Vicky. And it will help. It will help you uh, slow things down, pause, highlight words, and get translations. Uh, so you can use it as a language learning experience as well as just Vicky is, is a uh, Japanese-based service that's worldwide uh, that shows mostly Asian content, movies and TV shows. So here in the U.S., uh, it's almost entirely Korean and Chinese. It has some Japanese, some Thai, Filipino, and, and yeah. other things. Uh, but the catalog kind of varies depending on what market you're in. So you might get a, a different. A mix of it in Canada. I'm not also, sure. Also, I wonder if I can get access to this. Technologically yeah, should, speaking, they'll have they have a Canada Canadian version of it for sure. Oh, uh, technologically speaking, I feel like we're just 20 minutes away from some kind of algorithmic automatic translation where, uh, if oh, you yeah. don't mind slightly robotic voices, it'll just machine learn its way through dubbing everything for you. And you I mean, how this? long until not only does it dub it for you, but it actually remaps lips so it looks like they're talking English the whole time. It's better than that. They they're there. Um, yeah. They uh, there's ones that actually take the person's voice and so they'll 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 translate it they'll make it sound like their voice but spoken in the language that you want and of course obviously they can make deep fakes so we are definitely just a matter of years a couple of years away from you being able to watch any content and it look like they're all speaking english yeah they just need a good enough sample of of a few phonemes and they can yeah. they could do it right now it's pretty crazy there's even a podcast editing tool for fixing mistakes in your own voice that you don't have to revoice. Oh, that's to do it. brilliant. It's crazy.
All right, let's take a look at what we've had our eyes on, starting with you, Fraser, something you've watched recently that you loved. Well, so a show that that as a good Canadian, I should have been involved in a lot earlier, and that, and you guys know what this is going to be, is Letterkenny. And uh, people had just been raving to me to watch Letterkenny, and we had never watched it. And finally, is one of the shows that we can watch with Crave. We watch Letterkenny, and it's so good. Oh, man, it is such a... Um, and in fact, I think it's like a template for what is going to be like it would make a really good show in the U.S. as well, because you've got the hockey players, you've got the um, goth kids, and then you've got the kind of rednecks. But they're all really smart and really witty. And so they just joust with each other verbally and physically. Um, and I think that would play really well in the U.S. too, because I think that the the hicks the rednecks are as smart as anyone in the in the in the show so is, I, is it anywhere great, in the same neighborhood as like a trailer park boys because that yeah it's that's sounding very similar yeah i i like it better than trailer park boys though for sure cool yeah yeah so brian what about you uh went and saw knives out liked it a lot liked it so much that it reminded me of clue back in the 80s and to my absolute delight and astonishment both my 12-year-old, my 15-year-old, and my 6-year-old were down to watch Clue. I expected any one of them to get bored and walk out at any moment. Guess what? Turns out pitch-perfect black comedy and physical gags and and uh, doublespeak uh, still plays. And, uh, of course, you know, what a gem we have. And so many of the talented actors uh, in that show. Man, does Clue ever hold up. It is so much fun. It's really great. Uh, Knives Out, arguably not a hero's journey. It's a wagon wheel. Uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about that. I like yeah. Knives Out, but we'll give it a, the full review in, in spoiler in time. And uh, same for Clue, I think, as well. Uh, I want to throw a shout out for Signal, uh, which is a Netflix show right now. Uh, it's a Korean show. And I think it was originally aired in 2015, but you can get it on Netflix here in the U.S. It is about a cop who finds a walkie-talkie being thrown out uh, that is transmitting and starts talking to another cop in the Seoul Police Department from 1989. And together, they start to solve cold cases from 2015 by changing the past in the past. This, this sounds really close to the movie Frequency. I wonder if if maybe one was inspired by the other with, with Dennis Quaid. Uh, yes, it is. It is somewhat similar to frequency, except frequency is very focused on the relationship between the daughter and the father and what happened to the father and the fire and all of that. Uh, Signal is 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 a cop show procedural. So there'll be multiple mysteries that they have to solve, multiple cases that they work on. And there's an overarching mystery about what happened to that cop from 1989. Uh, and and I don't want to say too much more because there's a mystery that gets kind of revealed later in the show uh, that carries on. But it's such a great balance of a crime show, a procedural but a science fiction premise. So it's got, it de you're definitely right. It's got that same premise of frequency where you're communicating into the past with someone, uh, but it's telling an entirely different story than, than, than that one was. So Tom, if there was like one Korean drama that I should watch, what would it be? <sighs> Probably I, the, hmm, I should ask Eileen. She would she would be the better person because she's watched way more of them than I have. Uh, Goblin is pretty Goblin? good. Yeah. Uh, it's a little silly sometimes though, uh, but it's but it's really well done. 
I actually really liked Hotel Del Luna, which just finished airing recently. Uh, and it's got a little more sci-fi, but they both have love stories. So yeah. it, it, there's a, there's a, if you're, if you're if allergic to love stories, but I'm not saying you are, but just, just in general, um, probably something like kingdom on Netflix kingdom. is a, is a better yeah. bet. Okay. Cause that's just a straight ahead, like period piece meets zombies. Uh, so yeah, I didn't answer your question cause I gave you a bunch, uh, Kingdom, of answers. Kingdom's on my list. So I'll give that a, I'll give that a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say go for kingdom then. Okay. You are go for kingdom. Yeah. Uh, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got a letter in the email inbox from Nikki M who's sending a lot of things. If you're looking for uh, another Korean show, I believe this is Korean, right? Uh, let's try this one. Nikki M writes, hi guys. I have another Asian show for you to check out. It's called Vagabond on Netflix. It's about the search for answers as stuntman Cha Dalgun's nephew dies in a plane crash and the government covers up uh, the 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 origins and the reason behind the plane crash. crash. Uh, it stars Lee Seung-gi from Korean Odyssey and it seems like uh, sort of a world, it, the, the show has sort of a worldwide appeal and takes place in, in a few different countries. Uh, it's week over week, so it might be squeezable on your schedule. Actually, as of this, on Netflix, uh, they're all out. Um, so, uh, so far I'm loving the action and the conspiracy that they have going on. Nikki M. Hey, this looks cool, Nikki. Uh, thank you so much. There are 16 episodes of this streaming on Netflix worldwide now. Uh, Tom, have you heard of Vagabond? Is this on your radar? It is dimly on my radar. I went and looked it up on my drama list. It gets an 8.6 out of 10, which ain't bad. Okay. Uh, uh, but no, I haven't watched this one yet. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Eileen about it. Uh, my drama list dot com is a great place to go to answer your question, Fraser. You should yeah. just go to my drama list and start drilling in to be like, okay, I like this kind of stuff. What yeah. are the ratings? Because uh, because their ratings, Eileen has found, are to a T something to follow. Like she's never been dissatisfied with yeah. what my drama list says. Vagabond is on my list. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, if you got something, we should forty six. If you got something, we should be on the lookout for. Email us cordkillers at gmail dot com. Now. Brian, you are able to power your new studio because of the generosity of someone, and we need people to help repay that generosity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've talked about it before, but our friends over at Doghouse Systems provided us with tons of equipment that make all this possible. We got an email, as a matter of fact, from one of our bosses, uh, Mike Kepper from uh, Wabashaw, Minnesota, who says, uh, good on Doghouse Systems for being so generous with their support of the Brushwood Studio. I have no problem with publicizing their support and throwing them a bone with coupons from Modern Rogue. You guys are always promoting your other projects, so hyping an angel investor like Doghouse is only fair. Love all the BB shows. Thank you for all the kind words. Thank you for being a boss. And most importantly, if you want to help keep uh, 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 repay the generosity of Doghouse Systems, sooner or later you're going to buy a system. So why not head on over to doghousesystems.com slash V slash Rogue. Use promo code Rogue at checkout and you get an SSD. Um, somebody got mad because I said SSD drive. And then they're all like, yes, and it's not an ATM machine and it's not a GPS system. But you are acting like a grandpa, Mr. Pendant phantom uh, uh, i think it's pedant the <laughs> oh that's right pendant. <laughs> no he's dangling from my neck he's dangling Ugh. from his logical fallacy is what there you doing. go <laughs> uh i i want to point out that this is not uh a typical like hey doghouse is is just 
paying us to say this. This is Doghouse gave Brian a bunch of stuff and we we need to earn it back out. Uh, so we need your help to do that. Doghousesystems.com slash V slash Rogue. All right, sounds like the on. plot of a Scorsese movie. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. CBS Evening News has begun broadcasting from Washington, D.C. instead of New York City. Nora O'Donnell took over the anchor job at the news show in June. She was previously the White House correspondent and covered the U.S. Congress. So it's kind of the idea is they're going to focus a lot on what's going on in the nation's capital. Uh, CBS Evening News available on CBS affiliates, of course, but also as a podcast and for free on CBSN. Uh, which you can just download on Roku's and Apple TVs and watch on the web. Do, do you guys think that this is more of a symbolic move, or do you think there's a practical benefit from being boots on the ground right at no, the No, there's center? a practical benefit. You can get people in studio for, ah. for stuff right in the time slot yeah. that you couldn't get otherwise, definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, former head of international for Netflix, Eric Barmack, has set up a content business uh, called Wild Sheep Content. The outfit is developing an adaptation of Australian teen novel On the Jellicoe Road, first published in 2006. Man, I am adrift on this one. I don't know how to feel. I, I guess good. This is more of that internationalization that I was talking about. Yeah, and what's interesting to me here is that uh, a net we're seeing the evolution of Netflix, where now people have left Netflix to go off and use what they learned at, while working at Netflix to start a content company, right? I mean, this guy was was the the head of of international for Netflix, realized what a streaming service would need from an international yeah. production company, and said, you know what, I think I could do that, and then Smart. sell shows to Netflix as well as other people. Yeah. Uh, at the Rose Door Awards in London, Chernobyl won the Golden Rose Award as well as winning the Best Drama Award, so a twofer, uh, beating out Killing Eve, Succession, and a few others. The award for social media video series went to a Dutch series called Swipe, which is a seven-part drama about the influence of smartphones told from the perspective of the phones. <laughs> That's wild. I, th I think the visual perspective, not not like the phones, you know, talking to each other. <laughs> I know, but uh, but I kind of love that idea that they're just <laughs> gossiping about what their humans said. <laughs> I think we have an idea for a new seven parts. <laughs> Disney Plus has fixed and restored the continue watching feature. It appears uh, as a new row on the main screen, and the sh uh, uh, the show and movie pages there'll be a resume button, and they'll now let you restart a show from where you last left off. I assume there's going to be a bunch of these little incremental fixes. Uh, to be honest, for all the sass people were giving them for their spotty rollout. I thought for an undertaking that big, I'm amazed that it worked as well as it did. Yeah, this is the only one I really noticed, to be honest, was when I restarted a show uh, and was and it started from the beginning. I'm like, yep. oh, it doesn't resume? Well, that's weird. Okay. Like, uh, you know, I didn't go on Twitter and rage about it, which I suppose I should have if I was going to be a good citizen of the modern world. But uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that they they've added that feature back and now it works. That's great. Uh, the FBI Portland field office has posted a warning about the risks of buying a smart TV. Uh, these are not risks that you don't know about as a cord killers listener, but it's interesting that they're telling the general public. Uh, the post warns about surveillance from your TV software uh, through tracking your viewing habits. Uh, also about attackers gaining access to home networks through unpatched smart TV operating systems. And the FBI recommends placing black tape over your smart TV's camera if you don't use it, keeping your smart TV up to date with latest patches and fixes, and reading your privacy policy to understand what your smart TV is capable of doing. I've heard that price the prices of the TVs are going down thanks in part to 
some of the data that they're harvesting and being able to sell this in aggregate to potential content create content providers. So, uh, yeah, we are now providing them with another revenue stream. It's somewhat ad supported model of, of hardware sales, right? Like that's, that's yeah. just the reality of it. And that's when you're looking at that 35 inch monitor and the 35 inch television and realizing that the television is like $90 and the monitors to 300. That's why, because the monitor doesn't have tracking built into it. Yeah. Uh, UK research firm Ampere Analysis estimates Netflix is available in about 300 million pay TV households worldwide. Netflix has about 158 million subscribers globally as of the end of, of September, meaning there's still room to grow worldwide. So if you were worried that Netflix, poor little Netflix, wasn't quite in every television <laughs> you it joke, could get but to. But there have been people like, that's it, Netflix is done. They're growing <laughs> yeah. as big as they can get. Well, the Netflix exactly. killer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, talk about some dispatches from the front. B. Lissa, who has been writing into shows I've been doing since the Buzz Out Loud days, it's always good to hear from B. Lissa, says, Hey, Tom, Brian, and Bryce, I was interested in your discussion about the iTunes moment but I'm wondering about coming at it from a different angle. You all were talking about changes happening in the way people consume and view media, but I'm also thinking about how and when this change finally disrupts the longtime kings of the kingdom, the TV networks. You were talking about a glut in great shows, and it's true that many of the most notable shows everyone is watching lately are not on regular television, but I'm enjoying several right now. Here's my list in order of preference. Emergence, Batwoman, Prodigal Son, Stumptown, Young Sheldon, and Bluff City Law. There's only one show on that list that I watch live for various scheduling reasons. I'm wondering, when will the time slot war end? When will it no longer matter to networks whether viewers watch live or on demand? I'm sick of networks challenging each other by putting all the good shows on at the same time and then canceling two-thirds of them because they didn't get enough viewers. I'm annoyed when a network finds it necessary to move shows around and then they wonder why they lost viewers. I'd love it if shows just dropped one episode a week all at the same time, and then we could watch them whenever we want to. Then they'd know which show was the most popular, not which one survived the time slot war. Uh, there's a fantastic book from a marketing guru called Alchemy. And one of the things he, he essentially, his answer would be, it's going to get much, much worse, not better. Because the one thing you cannot buy with your targeted ads, yes, you could buy a specific demographic. You could buy a... a, a uh, 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 by location, by age, by uh, uh, sex and, and ethnicity and all these things. You could buy by language. The one thing you cannot buy is being part of the cultural gestalt. That only happens when the majority or enough people are watching the same thing at the exact same time, which is why I think that the fight is only getting worse because prime time is prime time for a reason. The vast majority of people who could watch a thing are all gonna watch it. Those are the prime hours that they could do it. And that's why everybody has to fight even harder and there's even more ad dollars being spent on it. And from a sales perspective, it makes sense, and and it's a smart play for them, which means I think the problem's only going to get worse. Yeah, yeah, and I think just the them dropping all like the way Netflix has been dropping all the episodes in one fell swoop. Like I said, with you know, had Disney dropped all the Mandalorian episodes, I'd be I'd be gone already, right? I would have watched it for a day, would have canceled my subscription, and I'll see you in a year when you produce another series that I want to watch. So. 
the fact that they're dragging them out means I'm going to, they're going to get me for two months. Maybe they'll even make it to three. So I think that, that we're going to see the release of content in whatever schedule services their bottom line. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting to watch what Apple TV plus is doing where they are debuting a, what they consider hot new show once a month, uh, sometimes more. And servant being M Night Shyamalan's uh, EP, he didn't he didn't write and direct it by the way. He's he's just an, a showrunner on it. He's an EP on it. Uh, was the latest one that they dropped this month. We'll see if they can keep building buzz around those shows. But they are doing some week to week. Most of them are week to week. But some, like Dickinson, they just put out all at once. It depends on what the audience wants. If they look at it and they say, you know, putting it out week to week will actually lose people. Yeah. Uh, then. They're going to put it out all, all at once like they did with Dickinson. The morning show, which has a much older demographic, used to week to week, you know, le more likely to maybe take a take a, a, a hike uh, if they just watch it all at once. They're going to dip. They're going to release those uh, over a period of time. Sean, the dad writes in saying, hey, Brian, Tom, Bryson guest. Brian mentioned that the, an object lesson that was one that was once that once popular content was eventually destined to be valuable again. I believe we're talking about the is it the Casey Warner uh, back catalog of, of sitcoms? Cursey Warner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cursey, yeah uh, but the lesson should be that copyright is so exorbitantly lengthy that it should be reformed and allow Steamboat Willie and maybe everything else that's more than 30 years old to be allowed to enter the public domain. The point of copyright is to incentivize content creation so that the creator can make money to create more content. But if you can't make money in the first 30 years, then it wasn't meant to be expectations that content remains exclusive perpetually and several fold over the original 14 years set at the founding of America. Boy, put that in perspective. Original copyright was 14 years. As every couple of decades, the copyright keeps getting pushed back. Uh, really enjoy the show. Your boss, Sean, the dad, uh, I, I think you're spot on. I think it's a, I think it's a real problem that I don't know how to fix with copyright. I think it's absolutely insane that nobody's allowed to tell, to retell their version of Star Wars A New Hope uh, or, 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 or even use the Steamboat Willie imagery. That's well, it's shoot, just insane. Uh, things from the 30s, yeah. yeah. Uh, story, you know, stories from the 30s, even if you don't know who the copyright belongs to. A lot of companies won't touch it because they... They don't know if they have the right. They don't know if it's public domain or not. So uh, I think Sean's right that that, pub, that copyright is too long. On the other hand, I was uh, researching the uh, the Paramount case, uh, the, the consent decree that the Justice Department wants to toss out. And I stumbled across a factoid that at the time of the consent decree, which, you know, short version is they told the major studios at the time in the 40s, you can't own the theaters and make the movies that play in the theaters. A bunch of the studios sold off their back catalog because they said, look, we don't own the theaters anymore. We can't make money uh, forcing people to watch them in the theaters. So back catalog's no good to us. Disney, Walt Disney himself, started buying them up because he realized, he's like, I don't think these are going to be worthless forever. Mm -hmm. So even, even the very company, which is usually pointed at as the cause of our extremely long copyright law, also the one benefiting from saying, hey, you know what? Maybe uh, maybe these things do become more valuable over time. We should we should eat them up. We should chew them up. Yeah. That's and that's how Walt Disney got a movie studio. They, they wouldn't have had a movie studio without that back catalog to build upon. Which only makes the their, you know, investment in the extension of co copyright all the more disingenuous in my book. Hey, Fraser, yeah. where can well, we also see? Also, because they they built uh, they built most of their early movies, the uh, their original movies, off of com public public domain. domain. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder how much of this stuff, like like 
I'm about to put the rubber, you know, uh, put my money where my mouth is when I switch over to the Criterion channel for a month and have no other methods of content. And I'm going to be having to watch 1960s Japanese samurai movies for a month. And, and well, right. But why don't we? Right? Why are we talking about the Mandalorian when we could be watching um every uh we could be watching Yojimbo right now? So well, so I think that you want to be part of the conversation, not like yeah. oh, there's that guy who's talking about Yojimbo. <laughs> right. So I think that that a lot of these content places have all of this great old content that you can get. And you know, some of them that I put on my list are free the Tubi and uh, a couple of the others, they're completely free. And so you could watch those with ads right now today. And there are 500 movies that are good. They're all high quality classics. Are you watching them? And if you're not like I, like I can definitely see the, the, the desire to remix and try to take another crack at some of these older stories, but you want to do star Wars, right? You could watch some of this older stuff right now and it could be available in lots of different places and it and it kind of is so i i wonder how how little respect we give to some of the content that's been around for a long time that is actually just fantastic fraser kane you're fantastic thank you again oh. for joining us and uh, let folks know where they can find more of what you do universe today is my website and across all the things there you go um we just uh, let's see. So I'm about to, about to crack to just wrapped up 20 years of doing this job running universe today. Wow. Um, and we produce, I think we released 25 videos on our YouTube channel over the last two months. So we're on all the things universe today. You want to learn about, out, yeah, you want to learn about airplanes on Venus that takes flight tomorrow. Excellent. Nice. Excellent. Universetoday.com, Universe Today on Twitter, Universe Today, wherever you find things, go check it out. Our website is corykillers.com. Our email address is corykillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you again next time. Hey guys, Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh, I've got a name. you just supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors, look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. There's some classic names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cord killers and pledge $5 an episode to be one of these amazing people, like this the one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>